how do you think that's going to, I have my own opinion, but how do you think that's going to affect the market? Like, is that positive, negative? What do you think about that for buyers, sellers? What's up, everybody? Welcome to Real Estate Explained, Episode 7. Um, my name is Nick Bush. Today, I'm here with Michael Dufour from NFM, NFM Lending. Clear it up. Clear it up. Tell them who you are. I'm Michael Dufour from NFM Lending. <laughs> All right. How do we say Dufour? How do we remember that? <laughs> it's do and then the number four. It's, right, well, it's that go. simple. Yeah. And then Pedro Paquar. Screwed that one up, too. <laughs> Pow Car. That's oh, how you do it. Oh. That's how you remember it. Pedro Pow Car. Yeah, there you go. With EXP Realty. You know, I've messed up your name like the entire time then. You know, yeah. I'm trying to add like more sauce. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's very simple. It's A U Ao Car. Yeah, Pow Car is it doesn't it doesn't read like that though. In Spanish it does. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so this is a, this is the English speaking podcast. Right, right. Yeah, that was a very side comment of you should learn Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Um if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, subscribe. Um you can follow the podcast at Real Estate Explained Pod. Uh no, it's actually Real Estate Explained Podcast on Instagram, TikTok. Facebook, uh, you can follow me at Nick Bush the Realtor, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, um, and YouTube. You guys have social media, so if you want to. Yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm your mortgage guide. Guide, G U I D E, not guy. So many people mess that up, but yeah. it's your mortgage guide on every platform except Twitter. I don't use Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I don't use Twitter either. Yeah, Pedro. Pe- Pedro D. Paukar. D's for my middle name, Daniel, if you didn't know. Can you spell Palcar? Because nobody, you know. No yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pedro, P-E-D-R-O, the letter D, and then Palcar, P-A-U-C-A-R. I wish we could do a poll, Jake. You should, like, we should clip this out. Let's do a poll. I get Pucar a lot. I get Pucar. <laughs> I get Pucar, Pucar, Pucar. Yeah. Palcar. I must have never, like, looked at it that hard. I now you got it, though. Now you Palcar. Palcar. You've been doing that for a long time. A lot. I, I, I figured it out. <laughs> When did you learn? When was did you come up with? Honestly, this, like, I forgot. Swag. But then when what was that dance where you go like? Was that Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's when I kind of put it together. Speaking of Nene, bro, like you're the TikTok I'm, superstar. So how many times do you have the Nene on TikTok? You dance? I've literally never done the Nene on TikTok. I'm way too white for that. Yeah. I cannot do dances like that. I have had to do a bunch of dances. Also, no. Uh, I've done a bunch of dances. The one I'm trying to master right now is like the new Megan Trainer dance with like her uh, new song out. That's know. like super popular on TikTok. But I'm I'm not a dancer, so I I really I don't do well with that. How does TikTok collaboration work? Like if you if if you post a video of us on TikTok, am I going to get a ton of TikTok followers? If I tag you, people yeah. could go to your profile yeah. from it, and it's just whether people are not lazy and want to like go and see who, who is who. I'm but, here. You're here. Yeah. So I can leverage your TikTok. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Wait, should I set Follow up me. so like we could have videos and stuff? <laughs> By the way, these mics, like everything is picked up. Like oh, they, okay. they can pick it. So you don't have Hello. to lean into the Testing. mic. Um, as you see, I haven't even looked at my mic. Yeah. They're here for show. Eventually we're going to get the mic stands and oh, get a like, oh, really nice. lower podcast. So, so, so I don't need to be like some of those singers who are like, Drive mouth like nah, look nah, all nah, over nah, their mic. Can I get a closer mirror? Relax. Now we're good. Cool. Um, all right, so let's jump in. The first topic that I want to talk about. I sent you guys the topics. Um, mm-hmm. Is the the headline? It's on um, <clears throat> my my computer. Moving a little slow. It's on Business Insider, and the uh, subject of the article, the headline is J P Morgan is about to spend one billion on hundreds of rental homes across the U S. 
on the way to becoming a mega landlord. Um, Dan was on here last week and, and we were like recording for like an hour. And so it's time to wrap up. And mm-hmm. we talked about this briefly, but I think, I think that Dan was kind of on like a, uh, you know, learn the information, you know, <laughs> so you don't get like ran out of the you yeah. know, real estate market. So he didn't have like the conversation that I wanted him to have and we didn't have it long enough. So I wanted to have it with you guys. Um, and it's cool because we have a lender and a realtor here, another realtor here. Cause I'm the best realtor in the DFV. <laughs> Pedro's one A. jokes. My guy's one A. Um, so, so I wanted to get your guys's, uh, you know, opinion. And basically what's happening here is um, JP Morgan is what, so they want to spend a billion dollars. And what they're planning to do is go to new construction, Mm -hmm. like Ryan Holmes, um, Dan Ryan, all the other Lennar homes. Mm -hmm. And basically they're like, yo, like we want to buy real estate. So instead of you guys building these homes and, um, you know, putting them on the market, like build these homes, we're going to give you, if it's a 500 home community we're building, we're going to give you like the ratified contracts day one, essentially. For all 500. For all 500. Yeah. And we're going to rent them to, you know, people who are looking to rent. Um, they're planning their their first, uh, the duo, it says the duo plans to see their first investment with up to 14, uh, 415 million in equity. The first installment will include a purchase of 250 homes in three communities around the Atlanta metro area, and the deal could close within the next 90 days. So that's 250 homes in Atlanta um, in 90 days that aren't going to be available to buyers in mm-hmm. like an already low inventory market. Like, massively what if, low inventory. Massively <laughs> like low inventory market. We've been in a drought for years. So what do you guys think about that? Um, like, how do you think that's going to, I have my own opinion, but how do you think that's going to affect the market? Like, is that positive, negative? What do you think about that for buyers, sellers, et cetera? I hate it. I, I think it's absolutely stupid. It's literally like they're going to come in too and you've got full on rent control for an entire neighborhood. So if JP Morgan decides, oh, we're not making enough off these houses, every single person's house is going to go up and they can't do anything about it. They own every single house in the area. It also takes away potentially affordable homes for first time home buyers as well, because that's likely the type of houses they didn't mention it in the article. But that's likely the type of houses that they're going to be targeting: two fifty to three fifty, hundred thousand uh, purchase price. Yeah, so especially in a city like Atlanta, it, just outside yeah. the city of Atlanta. Yeah, it's going to be that's exactly first time homebuyer homes, who we're already unable to find houses for those people, and especially metropolitan areas like that. So, yeah. I I, think, I hate it. I think it's a big wake up call for a lot of buyers and just normal day-to-day buyers, sellers in the market right now who are trying to time the market perfectly, who are trying to say, oh, interest rates are up. Now the market's going to crash. They're trying to see the perfect opportunity to buy homes where you see these million, multi-million, billion-dollar hedge funds that are coming in. They have done their extensive research, homework. They put their time in, and they're seeing that real estate is a great asset to invest in, especially as rents continue to grow, right? Yeah, I mean – you don't want to see a big bank win, but I think it's a great clue for all of us um, smaller players in the game to look at these big moves and start thinking, OK, how can I go ahead and then acquire real estate for myself and and also be part of this game? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's like so many things that we can unpack just in this like little subject, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you have the big guy like taking up the little guy. You have like the inventory issue. Then you have just like financially, like, can can you afford to do this? Um, I I think that I think that like it's horrible. 
right? Like, this is a horrible idea for, like, a big bank to come in and do this. But we've been hearing this, like, this is kind of an iBuyer thing. This is, like, Blackstone. The conglomerate does this all the time. It's like what Zillow did during the pandemic, yeah. buying up random houses in a in a neighborhood and then driving down prices exactly. and then driving up prices so that they got more value out of it. Exactly. I think the I think the biggest issue, and I've told Jake a few times, like you should buy new construction and like rent it out with your boys. You know what I mean? I think that like a lot of first time home buyers, especially like our generation of home buyers, they're just like, we want new homes, right? Like they don't want to buy like a house of 1950. They think that like the new construction mm-hmm. product is better. So I think that you cut off a lot of the market. I know a lot of like young families like new construction, but the the, the leverage that I think people get with new construction is like buying in the first stick. And then once that like project is finished, you have like built in equity already because mm-hmm. you bought in a project early. And then those are the easiest homes for you to kind of like move up from yeah. because you can always like sell that home to like another young, young mm-hmm. family or young couple. Like mm-hmm. for example, Centerville Chantilly are is the, the the inventory like all the townhouses are basically you know three bed two and a half bath garage townhomes yep. t- townhomes that were built in like 2010 and they just like turn over every year because that's like the perfect like investment for somebody like you like you yeah your I wife mean, one kid me I have like three kids but like it'll still be good for us so I think it's like horrible for the first time home buyer. Hey there, Real Estate Explain listeners. We hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you find value in what we're sharing, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave us a review. Your feedback helps us improve the show and reach more people who might benefit from our content. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, with these builders, it's not like these companies are going to builders who are already building up communities and they're saying, oh, now scratch the plans that you had. Let us just go ahead and buy these communities. They're going to these builders first and then they're saying, all right, well, now we want you to go ahead and develop a community where it's just going to be rentals. Yeah. I don't think it's really going to, I mean, my take is that I don't think it's really going to affect the first time home buyer. If anything, I think it's going to do really well for those who have properties who are now renting them out we're probably going to see an increase in their equity and appreciation of their properties because now we see new construction. We see rents are going to probably increase. People who are already in the game are probably going to like this, in my opinion. But I don't in know, the game, like people that are already investing are going to like this? Yeah. Why do you think they're going to like it? Uh, because these new, brand new communities, they're going to yeah. be popping up, right? Yeah. They're probably going to pay, probably going to be asking for a premium in rent, yeah. right? So therefore, these surrounding communities where they have already been built, they're just normal residential. They're probably going to see an increase in their rents as well. So you think that like, all right, JP Morgan buys, you know, 500 homes because of the investment. They're going to charge a premium in rent and they're going to be newer homes. So people might be okay paying for that. So the other, the average investor or just the average person that, um, you know, owns a property is going to be able to demand more for rent because of these, these homes. Yeah. I mean, it's all speculation, right? But that's my opinion. That's well, I mean, what I the think cost that- to buy a, to build a new house right now is we know it's already up. Mm-hmm, like it's, yeah. it's up over the past several years because of supply chain issues, because of cost of goods, because of inflation, like all of the, the basic things that drive prices up. So you're automatically going to have JP Morgan raising rent prices because they, it costs them more to build these houses. Mm-hmm. So that's going to screw the first time home buyer too, because it's like, <clears throat> okay, well you still got to pay almost a mortgage yeah. just to rent this house. And so why wouldn't you just find a way to buy something 
rather than throwing away the money that you're going to have to mm-hmm. to rent this new house. Yeah, you know, like how Loudoun, Loudoun County is popping right now. If like J.P. Morgan did this in Loudoun County 10, 15 years ago, Loudoun County would not be popping. Like literally Loudoun County has grown because of new construction. Yeah, everything's new. So, I mean, everything in Northern Virginia used to be farmland, right? But I think, I don't know how, I can't really speak as to the growth of Loudoun County, but you're right. Everything is new construction. Everything appeals to the wealthy player. Like yeah. whoever wants to buy is going to look at nice high-end homes. Pedro's like, I'm not talking about the growth of Loudoun. You don't feel like that, though? Like, honestly, like, Loudoun, like... No, 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 no. Because you were, like, from Centerville? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, I'm saying, like, I don't want to speak on the growth and how that happened because, honestly, like, I'm not going to be able to tell you the best answer. No, but, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, we, we don't have to be scientists right now, but, like, me growing, like, Centerville is, like, out the way, first of all. I'm from Anandale, right? But, like, Loudoun County, like, Sterling, Ashburn, like, Leesburg, even, like, all these places was, like, like... It was like the country almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Least, and then like yeah. one Loudon came and then yeah. Ashburn got built up. Yeah. And then people started moving further out. Yep. Then the schools got better because it was cheaper. The metro. The I, metro. And just to be clear, I completely agree with your point. So yeah, like yeah, I yeah. feel like Loudon County, uh, the growth, like they relied on the new construction. Like, yeah. Almost like the strategy was like, let's build a bunch of homes out here. Yeah. And like let the market grow. And I feel like if if somebody, if if a company comes in and just like buys that inventory pre-built and then they're planning to rent rent it out, there's no opportunity for growth. So maybe for like somebody who's an True. investor who owns an investment property nearby, it's like cool for them. But like the the overall neighborhood and, and city is not going to, the, the values are not going to grow. You know what I mean? Kind of like what happens in PG County because there's no new construction. Well, there's a lot of new construction, but not like affecting the market. Well, the question I guess is like, were they already planning to use that area? Like, is J.P. Morgan coming in and saying, okay, we're going to buy this area and we're going to build these places to have rental properties? Was anybody else ever going to do that in that area, I guess, is the question. Like, it, it, how long would it have taken for it to become the new Loudon or whatever? Well, I think like, it starts with the builder. So, yeah. like, you mentioned, like, supply chain issues. I know a new construction – I know a lender working new construction um, – where like the whole project was delayed because they couldn't get garage doors, you know. Um, so I think that cabinets this, are the biggest one usually. Cabinets also, yeah. yeah, cabinets, and I think that this is like scary builders, right? Like if you think of like Ryan Homes, like respect to Ryan Homes, but I call them like the McDonald's of real yeah. estate, right? They they They're obviously everywhere. Have everybody knows them. them, but like. Builders in 2020 and 2021 for us, they were like friend owners, like flat fee, $3,000 commission, $3,000 on like a, yeah, $900,000 house. Exactly. Right. Crazy. And then, and then like the market shifted at the top of the year. And by the middle of the year, they're like 3%, 3% commissions. $15,000 incentive. If you get under contract before the end of the month, like this crazy stuff. So I think the builder has been like taking advantage, not to like, they have been like eating in a market where rates were low. Mm-hmm. And people and people could afford six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar houses at three percent versus like that that on seven percent is like yeah. crazy. And so I think the builders like scarier. Like I think the builders scared. They're just like, okay, if I build a seven hundred thousand dollar community, how many buyers could actually afford to live in there? I'm gonna I'm gonna sell to Blackstone or JP Morgan. Mm-hmm. I, think that's, that's I mean that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Word. Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> I like that green, bro. Thank you, man. You know, one day I'm going to get a, uh, the next car I'm going to get is a Porsche. Uh-huh. You know, I got the it's green. Yeah, I feel like that's That would be nasty. How's, yeah. how's the Porsche going to go over with the three kids? I'm a, It's going to be a second car, you know? Oh. So I got the Range right now. Because I, I, I assume if you're getting a Porsche, you're getting a two-seater. 
Like you, you're not buying a Porsche to to get the the, the mom what's, van. Porsche. What's the SUV? The Macan, right? That's what it's called. I got the Velar. Macan, Macan. Well, the the Porsche would have the Macan and they have the Cayenne. Uh, sorry. The Cayenne's yeah. a little bigger than Macan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Macan's small, but I'm gonna get the Porsche, bro. Like I feel like it's like uh, I got the range and I'm chilling. You know, my mom doesn't know how to drive, so I grew up like really taking the bus. For real? Like, yeah, she didn't even know how to drive. So I got the range. That's like the. I don't feel like I'm responsible for the family car. Like, my mom doesn't know how to drive either. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, that's crazy. And I'm like, wait, my mom doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Why didn't she learn how to drive? I don't know. I think when we immigrated here in 2001, there was just, I don't know. She just didn't, she didn't know how to drive in Peru. Yeah. Where we were from. And when we came here, it was like, well, I can't even read the signs now. So like, Mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then. Oh, you weren't born here? I thought you were born here. No, no. No, I was raised here. Oh, that's what's up, I was born in Peru. That's dope. Yeah, that's my tattoo. It's a Peruvian to me. I could get like, you know. Yeah, you get like Chinese letters. Don't mean you're Chinese. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I mean, you could be Peruvian and not be born in Peru and still get. Right, right, right. You're like, nah, like, I'm Peruvian. I got that tattoo. You know? Nah, I don't feel like, I feel like, honestly, and this is, this probably won't go over well, but I feel like uh, my wife should have the family car and I should have like, a smaller SUV. I, you know? I drive the That's Honda Accord. My wife has the uh, Toyota Highlander. Yeah. We bought her yeah. the Highlander specifically. Like, you're going to be driving the my, my wife stays at home. Yeah. yeah. So, like, she needs the family car. I have a, hi, a hybrid because I drive exactly. all over the state. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm always yeah. working. My wife so. has the SUV, too. I have the sedan. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I'm real sedan. I came out with my car, like, dirty and like, kids stuff in there. You know what I mean? Like, Bro, yeah. My car is filthy in the back. Oh, right. I, it, my car is like my second house because I'm just always throwing stuff in. Yeah. Always in, and it's always me. So like people will sometimes I'll have to drive a coworker to get food or something, yeah. and I'm like throwing stuff out of the passenger seat just you into the bag. Yeah, like cheeseburger wrappers. <laughs> yeah, there's cheeseburger wrappers. <laughs> All right, so the next one says, uh, no housing bubble in economists. So this is on MN.com. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the general public has access to this unless you have, like, a login. So I like, had I, to buy a subscription yeah, just it. to read this article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro. Cancel that subscription, bro. Um, no housing I like bubble. It, but I like I uh, this article. It's good stuff in MN. No, it's really good. So this one says, no housing bubble, which we kind of all know. And economists' yeah. top predictions for 2023. So this is uh, from... Windermere's uh, Windermere Real Estate Chief Economist Matthew Gardner. Um, there's like ten points here. I picked the the four that I like the most that I think are the most important. Um, you guys can like rattle off any uh, any of them. I'm sure we can talk about these off the top of the head. But if we go to number three, inventory will not grow significantly. This is the second argument. Mm-hmm. Um, don't expect inventory to grow significantly. Although inventory levels rose in 2022, they're still well below their long-term average. In 2023, I don't expect a significant increase in the number of homes for sale, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It says, in fact, I estimate that 25 million to 30 million homeowners have mortgage rates around 3% or lower. So let's let the lenders speak on this. Well, first, I'm going to say a little bit. So <laughs> let's let him speak. No, wait, hold on. Hold on. It's my show. I got the In the same point. breath. I'm like, setting it up. I'm setting it up. I, I, I got you, got so, so, all right. So, like. I mean, we grew up, like, all of us grew up, like, in high school, they were just like, the market's crashed, the recession, like, like, uh, like homes are, yeah. you know, super cheap. You're not going to get a job My after college, My parents a short sale, yeah, in 2009. So My dad owned a total title company. Like, it was, oh, yeah, yeah. That was great. We, we, we saw it. <laughs> so, in, like, 2017, 2018, I remember my friends being like, the market's about to crash. 
like it's about to go down. It's right. going to be 07 again. We're going to wait until then. And then 2020 happened, like pandemic happened and prices went crazy. crazy. And now I'm looking at those friends. I'm just like, damn, how do you feel, bro? You know, like now you have to spend an extra $150,000 for your home. And instead of buying at a 3%, you're buying at a 7% interest rate. So waiting was like, you took a major L. And it's less house. Yeah, less house. But I was yep. talking to a lender and I asked him, I was like, should we be expecting inventory and foreclosures from the pandemic? And his answer was like, nah, because people are comfortable in their mortgage payments. Everybody's on mm-hmm. a fixed rate. The yeah. difference between early 2000s and now is in the early 2000s. First off, just go watch the movie The Big Short and you'll understand. Like that's literally what happened. And it's the perfect explanation. But everybody was buying arm loans. They were buying adjustable rate mortgages. So what happened was they'd, they'd sit with a comfortable payment and then it burst. It, the, the adjustment happened and nobody could afford it. Now everybody's sitting with 3% on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. That payment doesn't change for them. So if their financial situation gets worse or something happens, they're still most likely going to be comfortable to pay the mortgage payment. They're just not going to move houses because of that. Or even people are sitting here like ready to move. They've been in the house for five years. They've got three kids. They want to get a larger house, but they're like, I'm not paying 7% right. I can pay, keep paying my 3%. <laughs> And just be a little uncomfortable in this house. Like, we'll make do until we can figure it out. So why are we going to leave? Like, And and on top of that, there is no inventory still. Like, we've been in a shortage since the early 2000s because when 08, 09 happened, builders stopped building. And they stopped building for like two, three straight years. And then we had the pandemic hit and supply chains happened and building stopped as well because nobody could get lumber. Nobody could get garage doors yeah. like we, so there's a lack of inventory for new builds and there's a lack of inventory turnover like there should be so everybody's just kind of stuck like yeah. that's really where we are yeah no definitely i mean to your point right everybody has a comfortable mortgage payment right now especially if you bought with two and a half percent interest that's what we bought in three percent three and a half even four mm-hmm. percent is you're gonna have a comfortable payment yeah. or they yeah, refinanced to it in right. 2020 exactly. like that's, yeah. they, they did that too so what i was telling a lot of my clients and what i truly believe is that we just saw a huge amount a wave of homes that we might not see for generations right mm-hmm. these are homes that i'm, I'm not going to sell my townhouse for decades yeah. right it's going to be a great asset that i hold on to that's my rental property right exactly. <laughs> i'm going to take a heloc out on the equity that i've gotten yeah in the property I'm, yeah. and i'm going to go buy my next house whenever i want to i'm not i'm not getting i'm not putting together a college fund for my son because that house is going to be his future fund exactly right i don't need to put any more money into this appreciation is going to take its place but even if it dips right and back to my point right if, if everybody has a comfortable mortgage payment Let's just say they're getting uncomfortable in their house or whatever. They're going to have to go ahead and then look at another house at a 7%, 6% now interest rate um, that's going to be way more expensive, right? Or if they are deciding that maybe renting might be a better scenario for them, it's going to be, what, five, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000 more than what they're paying in their mortgages? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, and those people that are moving from a mortgage to rent, like, they don't want to rent because they know they know what it's like to build equity yeah. and they they know what it's like to own a property and the the freedom that that brings. They don't want to go back to renting and just throwing away two grand a month or whatever it right. is on because two grand a month is twenty four thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year. Yeah, like why would I after owning a home want to go back to that? 
that sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. First, like, he locked on my house, right? Yeah. To, like, buy another house and buy mm-hmm. investment properties and, like, college fund, right? Like, it's already sitting here. We, my interest rate, I have, like, a, I have a 3.5. That's my interest rate. And I, I'm, like, telling my wife, and we could cash flow. We could make, like, $600 a month, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, if we if we bought our house. So I'm like, yo, like, we have we have the the first investment property. Mm-hmm. My, like, number, my number's really 100000 right? But, like, my retirement number, like, minimum is, like, 20000 net. Like yep. monthly, like that's yep. what I want, or yep. gross, like net, ideally, but like twenty thousand a month. Right now, we could rent our house out for thirty five hundred, right? So Ooh. I'm like, all right, well, we basically got like almost a quarter of that. We're in like our first there. house, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're never selling this property, yeah. yeah. And like we can rent for thirty five hundred right now. Like in twenty years, that could easily be four thousand or over four thousand. Well, my yeah. other thing too is I have a one year old daughter. <laughs> yeah. Eighteen. 20 years from now, like she goes to college or graduates from college, like wants to move back to Maryland. I can kick out or finish up the lease. She has a place to live. Exactly. Yeah. And and exactly. I, she doesn't yeah. have to pay rent. Like that's something I can give back to my daughter. Yeah. And she doesn't have to pay rent or she, I, maybe I make her pay rent to know the value of money, but whatever. Taxes, but yeah, yeah. Well, you pay the property taxes, but yeah. whatever. Like she at least has a place guaranteed to live that we know is safe. We know, like, she's got a nice house, and I don't have to work. Yeah. Like, it's the greatest yeah. thing. Yeah, I have a client that uh, he called me the other day, and he's now looking for a place in Vienna, which is <laughs> just about 20 minutes from D.C., 25. And, you know, I asked him, hey, so what are you going to do with that house in Sterling? You're going to keep it, right? And he started laughing. Of course I'm going to keep it. I refinanced. Uh, if I rent it out, I'm making $1,000 cash flow a month. Mm-hmm. Now, it makes no sense for people in these situations, even if you bought, so for example, us, we, we bought our house in 2021, right? In May of 2021, two and a half percent interest rate. And our mortgage payment is 2100. We can rent it out right now for 2600, 2650, yeah. right? So it just, it makes no sense. Even if we wanted more, more, more space and we wanted to rent out another house, sure, we could do that. We could offset some of that payment because now we can rent out the house, yeah. cash flow, you know, and a lot of people are in that situation. Hey, this is Tamara Miller. What are your real estate goals? Do you want to buy, sell, or invest? Whatever your answer is, go to our website, theaddressbnb.com, and subscribe to our network. Once you subscribe, we're going to send you our eight-step guide to be a successful seller and a six-step how-to-buy-a-home guide. Now back to the show. And the point here is inventory is going to remain low because people's interest rate is too good for them to sell that house yeah. and move up to a new house. Yeah. And builders are not building enough homes. Right. So that's like the reason like it's going to stay low. And the builders who are building are building are for these. Uh, but <laughs> selling the for JP Morgan. Morgan right? um, so. The sixth point of the article, workers return to work. So I don't know what you guys think about this. We don't have to spend a lot of time here. But like, you know, during the pandemic, people really got to choose where they wanted to live. Because right. nobody was coming into work. Do you think that um, workers like, I think that we're going to go back to like what the normal was. So. At first, I thought, like, all right, like, Zoom forever. You know, I never have to meet yeah. or go out with it. And now I'm like, I should probably go to some networking events and, like, I went meet to some people, night. right? Yeah. I'm like, so I think, I think like, there's not a new normal. I think we're just going to go back to normal. And, and and I think that people might, you know, move back towards the city versus moving out to, like, the country. I don't know. How do you guys think? I, gonna I think we're going to see a variation of <clears throat> the original normal. Like, there's going to be a lot more remote workers. If you didn't text me yesterday and were like, hey, 1230 podcast, mm-hmm. I'd be on my couch in my basement in my sweats, like yeah. just working on my laptop. Right. Like that's 
that's what I do most yeah. days. But like our industry allows us yeah. to do that. I did that before the pandemic and all of my friends were like, how'd you make this work? And it's my job. It's like it's part of my job. Yeah. Like it's one of the perks I get. The one of the negatives is I have to work all the time yeah. and you work for a salary. Like, yeah. That's the difference. But a lot of people, like I was reading articles when we were just getting out of the pandemic and people were like, no, I'm, I'm quitting my company. That's making me come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'll go yeah, to a different seen, company seen that's that. doing more remote because we know the system works. There are a lot of jobs that are no longer going to require you to go in because people are like, we know it works without me having to yeah. be sitting in an office. The reason the offices want you back is because these people the the businesses own the space or they they're renting the space and they're losing tons of money by not having people come in there. Right. Yeah. I think it affects like productivity though. There's some studies that were like, yeah, I think people are more productive. You have them at least come to work or the workplace once or twice a week. I think it doesn't really matter how you slice this one because for a lot of people who were, had come worked for companies that went full remote for a hundred percent of the time, they're not going to go back to the workplace. A lot of those people move to more affordable areas and then boosting mm-hmm. those markets. Mm-hmm. So I think either way, um, we're going to see that this is not really going to have too much of an effect. That's a good point, right? Instead of like living in Clarendon, right? A lot of them move to like South Carolina, yeah. right? Raleigh. Yeah. You, now, now they have a salary where it's a lot that's going to take them a lot more in you know South Carolina. So they're going to yeah. be able to compete for these higher price homes. I think either way, it's going to create demand. That makes sense. Um, another thing is affordability will continue to be a major issue. Um, as to why the market's not going to crash. Like kind of like people aren't going to be able to buy homes, and and I think we touched on that a lot because the interest rate is just too high. I mean, um, a three hundred thousand dollar house with the interest rate, the the payment is what you were getting for a four hundred thousand dollar house yeah. a year ago, yeah. like or even four fifty. So it's it is very different. It is tough. It's makes my job a lot more difficult because people get really scared about that and the affordability or like I post, as you mentioned, I post on TikTok all the time and people are like, well, you got to be comfortable with the payments. It's like, we're not running these numbers to make people uncomfortable. Like you look at the number and go, okay, I can comfortably afford that payment at 7%. I'm going to buy this house. If I'm happy with it, I am going to buy this house. What you do is you wait two years. Another bullet point on this was that rates will eventually come down. Yeah. That's number and two. They already the, are. The, yeah. They're already starting to come down. Mm-hmm. We are going to see rates eventually come down. It, it, it can't sustain itself at these ultimate highs because nobody's going to buy, just like we've been talking about. I so have- it's got to come back down. And then you refinance at that time. Values, we've said, aren't going to drop or they're not going to significantly drop. So hopefully your value stays the same or goes back up once rate drops, rates drop and people are shopping again. Yeah. You go, you refinance and then you keep making that seven, per, that payment that you had at 7%, keep making that same payment or that's, close to that's, it. That's You'll pay say. off your mortgage a lot faster. Yeah. I put $200 extra a month to my mortgage, just 200 bucks. I'll pay off of my 30 year mortgage in 16 and a half years. Yeah. That's what we do too. Oh really? Is yeah. that the math on that? It's, it's I mean, crazy how simple, like a hundred bucks makes it 20 years. I, I like round up. So my mortgage is like, it's like 20, 20, it's like 28, 60 or something. So I just round up to like the nearest hundred. Mine's like 1700. So I put two grand a month to it. But yeah. I think it's, it's all specific yeah. to your numbers. Right? Yeah, yeah, but your I numbers think it, it depends on your numbers and the rate and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So like the math to it, like at 7% right now, if you were to put, 
500 bucks a month extra to your mortgage at a 7% rate. To your principal. It's 15 years. To your principal. To your principal. Yeah, no, yeah. but see, by just literally, like, if your mortgage payment is $3,500 and you just make the payment 4000 yeah, that $500 extra automatically goes to the principal. You don't have to, like, pay it separately. It automatically goes to the principal because everything else is already geared towards mm, so the right things. True. Yeah, it doesn't. When it, I pay my mortgage, there's it. like a uh, drop down arrow. It's like, yeah, yeah. this much towards here and like this mm. much towards yeah. here. And I could, there's like a selection to make like an extra payment. I guess it depends on your bank and on yeah, the service how that's set, set it up. up. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. my bank is just how much do you want to pay? And I put two grand each month yeah. that yeah. sets up auto pay. And that's how much. I'm going to start rounding up to 3000 You know what right? I mean? See I, mean what that does. <laughs> I think there was, I can I mean, do the math for you. No, I'm going to ask you to do the math. We'll do it after this. I think a good rule of thumb was if you make an extra mortgage payment, whatever your payment is, in a year, then you shave off like eight, eight years, years. Mm-hmm. around that. It's something maybe a like little that. off, yeah. but it's, yeah. So Seven yeah, years yeah, yeah. But then I also saw another article where if you put that amount of money in like an index fund or somewhere else, it might give you a better return. So whatever it is that like motivates you the most, and whatever makes more sense do for both. you financially, or do, do both. Do, do, like yeah, if, you, do, if you're well, going to yeah. put five hundred bucks, put yeah. two fifty to your mortgage and put two fifty right. into the index. What else are you going like, to spend like, it on they, Starbucks? Hey, look, you get money. You get money right. both ways. Yeah. Like, you don't want to have like a stock guy on here have like a real estate versus yeah, that'd be uh, great. stocks debate. Yeah. I know it's, stocks it's, like people feel I think I think like the stock conversation wins because people feel like stocks are a little safer than real estate. Like real estate is more volatile. But I think for me, and obviously I'm biased, like real estate is like definitely the W over stocks. I, I, I think it's hilarious that people think stocks and everything are Wall Street is like safer when Wall Street is literally what caused the housing bubble. Yeah. That's like everybody thinks, oh, it was Realtors and lenders caused the housing bubble. No, it was the background people on Wall Street selling all of the mortgages and making. Again, go watch the big short. It's exactly if you can explain that because I mean we get so many. Yeah, um, we have so many conversations as why the the market you know tanked back in oh six oh seven. Like, what is your understanding of that? So what happened was everybody would buy the the, these. The Wall Street basically packaged thousands of mortgages together. That's how mortgage-backed securities works. Like they purchase uh, people's mortgages from everything. And you're trading on the open market for these these securities and for for their uh, mortgages. And you're banking on like... The A mortgages, they're going to do great. So you're trading against these and then the triple Bs and then the triple Cs. And and so everybody's buying and trading off of basically the housing market doing well. But nobody's paying attention to the fact that the housing market is actually about to not do well. They're all assuming all of the loans that are being sold are perfect. But all of the companies are telling people, hey, just give everybody what's called a ninja loan. It's no income, no assets. Yeah. Mm. They're they're literally you're handing somebody a four hundred thousand dollar house without ever checking. Hey, are you going to be able to make the payment once it gets to X amount when the rate adjusts? And nobody was paying attention to that. So what happened was they're all trading these. They're all buying these. And then all the ninja loans start jumping up. And these trades that people are making lose every bit of value and nobody has anything. It's it's a tough thing to describe. I'm not doing it full justice. Again, go watch the movie The Big Short. It yeah. literally like it, it's That's true to everything and it, it explains it perfectly. 
And I mean, also, uh, Christian Bale is just hilarious. In I, th- it. I think like, that we've dropped <laughs> the big short. I think we talk about the big short on almost every podcast that we've recorded because it's so relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the big short needs to start paying us, um, <laughs> you know, for like the reruns. Jake, can you like cut that clip out? And we're going to tag all the big short people and be like, yo, like, we talk about y'all all the time. Like, pay us, you know? Yeah. Spot, we're looking for a spot. Steve, Steve Carell, you want to come on the Every show? Every other realtor is mentioning the big short. Though. So what? But we're doing it on our podcast. We're reaching millions of people. Facts. There we go. <laughs> we're like manifesting. It. Facts. Yeah. We're reaching millions of people. Facts. Some of this, how many TikTok followers do you have? 160,000. Some of this will reach 160,000. <laughs> there you go. There you I go. think I'm at what, like 80? How many followers do I have, Jake? 87 followers. <laughs> so 160,087. Do you have a TikTok? Yeah, yeah. I'll tag you. I'll tag you in a video and hopefully it'll get up to 100. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, hook me up. Like, big short, sponsor us. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get sponsored. We're going to, we're going to monetize this. Video. All right, maybe not big short though. You don't think that's like a positive sponsor? I don't think that's even possible. I think it's like super education. Well, not the big short. You're right. I understand. But like, we should make some residuals along with the big short because we're promoting the movie. You know? I'm just trying to get that's Lulu. what I'm saying. I'm just saying yeah, Lulu sponsorship, man. We should get These pants are expensive. Oh my god! Yeah. I, if I could get a Lulu sponsorship, there's there's Lulu? this one comedian nah, that does. Something. He's a burst. Or no, do you guys watch any Pat McAfee? Yeah, he, he's, he's he has a stand up and he's he's like Peyton Manning's the only guy who could just get free anything for life. I want that. Like if this, somebody gave me an interview, I'd just be like, well. I had a great game because I drank a Budweiser and I drove here in my Cadillac and I was wearing my Lululemons and he's like, and that's free drinks for life, free cars, free free swag. Yeah. Like, how do I get that sponsor? Right. I, I want that. I was listening to another podcast that I, that I listen to frequently and uh, he was talking about how he took his wife to a game at Madison Square Garden, like on the mm-hmm. floor. And somebody was like, wow, how expensive was that? And he was like, bro, we don't pay for anything. Like, SeatGeek sponsors the show. Right. Just like, oh, that's the dream, you know? I was reading something on that too, where it's like when celebrities go, they get the Mac daddy treatment, but it's because they're signing deals where it's like, they're being told when you see a celebrity, like with the camera right in their face, it's like, that's part of the deal. You have to be on camera. You have Mm -hmm. to like be a noticeable figure there to get all the like champagne room additives and free food and everything while you're there. So hopefully we get famous from the pod and we can all start doing life together. Yeah. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Hank, Hank, do the podcast next time on our yachts. Exactly, Lululemon. Uh, you listening? <laughs> so we talk about um, we talk about investing a lot, um, and you mentioned that you use a HELOC to buy your next property. And this article uh, it's on Investopedia, the complete guide to financing an investment property, and it's like hella wordy, you know. And it just really talks about like all the different type of loans. And I had some nice bullet points that I oh, think I'm pulling up my notes. Yeah, pull up your notes. So the yeah. first, the first question, the first bullet point that I had is. What is an investment property? I mean, it's simply a property that you own, do not live in, that somebody else pays you money for to live in. Is that your understanding of an like, investment property? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's pretty basic. That cash flows, that, yeah. uh, hopefully. Right? Yeah. That's the whole point. Okay. And so what is the down payment necessary to buy an investment property? Okay. So I literally have a bullet point on this yeah. because this pissed me off reading this article. It, it was wrong a lot. Yeah. Oh, it was very, very, <laughs> and I was like, I was actually pretty annoyed that it was wrong because it was Investopia too. Exactly. They're like usually a good, right. like 
the the line I specifically tagged in here was like with conventional financing, the typical expectation for a down payment is twenty percent of the home's purchase price. Wrong. And Nick knows me like he pro- I, I can just picture you reading this and be like, Mike is going to just go ham with this question because this is exactly the statement why I got on TikTok, why I got on social media to like change this stigma of you have to buy with twenty percent down. First off, it's 3% for a conventional mortgage. The minimum down payment required is 3%. If you're selling this to 19, 20-year-olds who who are thinking, maybe I'm going to buy a house one day, and they read this Investopia article and are like, I have to save up 20%. 20% on the average home price in America is, uh, average home price is $400,000 right now. 20% is 80 grand. That's not to say also you have closing costs which are going to be anywhere from 4 to 7% more. So I got to save 80 grand for the down payment, and then I got to save another 4% to 7% for closing costs as well. You need 110 grand to buy a house at that, which at sounds that point. Insane. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yep. You can put 3% down, which is 12 grand on a on a conventional mortgage for 400,000 and you're fine. The the Biggest caveat is, and people get so annoyed that they're like, oh, you, sh- you have to put 20% because otherwise you pay mortgage insurance. And mortgage insurance is just throwing away money each month to yeah. pay for yeah, a mortgage yeah. to, to get it putting down less money. You know what else is throwing away mortgage money each month for nothing? Rent. Rent. Look, but, but it's a lot less. You're paying the, on a, uh, if you're putting 3% down and you have 740 credit score, decent score. You're going to be paying anywhere from 100 to 250. Even like the worst credit scores with an FHA loan, you're probably max paying like 300 bucks. In but also, um, but also, can't you pay your PMI up front if you go conventional? Can you talk you about can that a do a uh, uh, what's called a mortgage insurance uh, premium. So yeah. you can pay all of it up front. Yeah, it's, it might be like 10 grand to do so added mm-hmm. to the closing cost. But if you wanted to do that, you can the reason I would tell people not to do that is because if you refinance, that money's gone. Mm. So, so you, you, it's not like a one pay and done. If you refinance and you're still under 80% loan to value ratio, loan to value ratio, meaning what you owe versus what you own, you, you will still have to get new MI. And, and you usually, uh, you know, I always say like my kind of reason for, you know, don't care about the, the mm-hmm. MI is, but average first time home buyer stays in their house for seven to ten years. Yep. Um, the PMI drops off around like near around PMI uh, near automatically nine. drops off on a conventional loan at seventy eight percent loan to value ratio. And usually it takes people like seven to eight to nine years to get there. Yep. And it's like you're gonna most likely like sell this home and move up to your forever home. Yep. Yeah. By that time, so save all that like extra cash for like the big body. That the, you're going to buy. The other thing people home. don't know about MI2 is if your home value appreciates, like I bought my house in 2020 mm-hmm. and in a year, my property value went up like crazy because Most of too, yeah. how, how yeah. busy the market was. I I did a refinance because I just I wanted to do a refinance to get it, my rate even lower. But I, I originally put less than 10 percent down. I refinanced, my value was over 80, or I, I had more than 80% uh, or less than 80% loan to value ratio. So I got rid of MI That's great. by refinancing within one year, yeah. just because my property value increased. I have buyers that they didn't do a refinance because their rate was great. 
they all they had to do was go and get a new appraisal, prove to the MI company that their value has increased by X amount. And they went and said, hey, my value is now this of my property. Here's the appraisal. I'm less than 80% loan to value ratio. Yeah. Get rid of my MI. Clutch. And and it costs uh, an appraisal costs you a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. So th- they're saving tons of money by doing that early. So I mean, just to be clear, if I want to get an investment property right now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't get that at three percent. Right? That that is true. Yeah, you so, can get it at uh, fifteen with most uh, okay. with depending on the lender. The article said people would need to put like 30% yeah, down. 30 oh, wow. That's crazy. So I've always heard 25. I didn't read it. So. 25. So, so it's, it, there's so much disparity. Some lenders can do 15%. Some lenders can do 10%. The issue with those is a, you are going to have MI if on anything below 80%. And on top of that, your rate is going to be most likely for lack of a better words, the worst rate available because okay. you're, you're putting, so little investment into an investment property that it is a concern of the banks and and of the the people lending you the money. So they they want to have you have MI first off and B, they're going to collect their money somehow. So they're going to raise your rate and charge you higher on interest because of that. Generally, you get the best rates if you put 25% or more. So it's more of a rate things. It's more of a rate thing, okay. but you then, can which buy, is important because yeah. it affects the mortgage payment exactly. and mm-hmm. the ROI on that investment. Right. But you can like the, the the whole thing is people say you can't buy without thirty percent. That's not the, that's the stigma. It's yeah. you can buy with fifteen percent. It is more beneficial if you can afford it and and have the okay. available cash to go twenty five percent or more down. Yeah. But you don't have to right. if you can afford the mortgage payments and it makes sense to you as an investor. So, so Pedro was kind of, you know, he was like alluding to like, yo, like that's cool 3%, but like, I actually got to put a lot of money down to mm-hmm. buy an investment property. So we have to let people know that yep. the next bullet point here is house hacking versus non-unoccupied. So you only have to put that much down if it's not going to be, uh, if you're not going to live in there, yep. but house hacking is a way that you can, you know, buy a property for the 3% mm-hmm. down, have people move in and you know, so have an investment property. House yeah. hacking is like, it, it's simply put, it's buying your Primary residence and the rules on lending for mortgages. If you buy a primary residence, you have to live in it for at least one year. Like that's that's you're generally signing the contract to at least live in it for one year. And then you can rent it out and then you can do all the other stuff with it. Like whatever you can sell it at any time, but you technically cannot rent it out within the first year. That's what you're signing against. So what a lot of my clients do is actually go with an FHA loan. For their first purchase, they put three and a half percent down on an FHA loan, and sometimes they do that because they'll get uh, multi units and yeah. they'll mm-hmm. they'll live in one unit and then they'll rent out the other units in the property, yep. subsidizing their mortgage a little bit, and then after a year they move out of that one unit and go to the next property, yeah. and and they keep doing it that way. You can do this with conventional loans as well, but with conventional. You have you can only buy a one unit property if you put less than I think it's twenty percent down. Okay. So they they don't do multi units with little down payment. Yeah. yeah. So that's why most people go FHA okay. because you only need three and a half percent. Yeah. But you know I think it's also important to understand that you don't have to have like a multi unit to house hack, right? Yeah. You can have 
For example, I have a client that bought a house in Centerville, your favorite place. Um, Nick hates the suburbs, so that's why I always city joke, life, right? So he bought a house in Centerville. Um, his I think his overall mortgage was like eighteen hundred, and he rented out all rooms. He rented out the basement. He was living in the house for free in cash flowing two hundred bucks a month. That's great. Yeah. Now after a year, he decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. There's way too many bodies in that house. But I mean, depending on who you are as a person. And what your goals are financially, you can easily do that. And uh, it can be very lucrative. Like literally, literally, to be able to house hack, you just have to have a second bedroom. Literally. Yeah. When, <laughs> I, when I said you can't rent it out on a conventional, I meant you can't move out right. yeah. and like have yeah. somebody else living in the property. Yeah. You yeah. have to, you're, you're signing the contract to be owner occupied for the first year bare yeah. minimum. Yeah. yeah. We, had, we had a condo in, in Centerville. And uh, I, <laughs> it was a two bedroom, one full bath and one half bath. And I thought, man, I'm not going to rent out that other room. Like, this is just going to be my spot. But then I thought, you know, it's kind of lonely. One, you know, my girlfriend was an hour and a half away at the time. She's not my wife. But, um, you is know. Is she still an hour and a half away? No, no. <laughs> That'd be a little weird, right? <laughs> Anyways, but the point is, like, I rented out the other room for 800 bucks. And my obligation was 1400 you know 1400 minus 800 is what 600 yeah. mm-hmm. 600 bucks just to live in an area where i was right by the the highway 66 my gym was just 5 minutes away it was just, it was a great great uh way for us to you know for me to lower down my payment and for me to have some company at home <laughs> I always I always suggest house hacking this is like what i suggested jake all the time um i'm always like yo like because i feel like when you're 22 23 especially in this area like in the DMV you're not going to, like, renting a one-bedroom, one-bath. Like, you're going to get, like, a pretty shitty one-bed, one-bath for, like, $1,400, $1,500. Yeah, everyone's renting right? out with their friends. Everyone's renting Everybody. out with your friends. Yeah. So, I'm like, if you're 22, 23, you have the job history, you qualify, buy a townhouse, new construction, buy a townhouse that's three bedrooms, three bed, two bath, and a basement, like the starter pack, right? The three, two and a half mm-hmm. with the basement. And, like, you could just rent the basement out for $1,000. Or you can rent out the basement you live in the primary bedroom and you can rent out another room or two in the house. Like I think house hacking for young people is like key. Actually, like I mean the house that we're in right now has like a like a basement unit that's rented out and then like some of the other rooms are rented out upstairs. So like this is being like hella house hacked. Um and a lot of people in DC, like these row homes where you mm-hmm. see the basement entrance, this, yep. these ones are in the front sometimes they're but like most people are renting their basement yep. in DC for like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars and they're living on the top, chilling out. Yeah, my, my buddy's 25. He bought a house two years ago and he lives with his four friends and they pay his mortgage basically. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's exactly what you said. I'm trying to get my brother in law to do it. Yeah. yeah my but, wife won't let us like, she won't let me. Like, oh, my wife won't let me either. We have an extra room. And, I'm like, like, yeah, yeah. We, we have a basement, bro. We're like a bed. We have a basement with a bedroom. We would have to build a, like at least a bathroom down there. We have like a half bath, which mm-hmm. is like not even a half bath. It's just a toilet. You know what I mean? Oh, it's not like a shower. No, it's not a shower. Like, we, yeah. could, we could build that. But like, I'm like, yo, like, let's like, we could rent this out for like 1100, 1200. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, nah, I don't want other people living in our house. Right. Yeah. yeah. It depends. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel her, but like, I yeah. don't get it. I don't really want other people living in our house, but like the opportunist in me yeah. wants to do it. But happy she, wife, happy life. Though. Yeah, she shut right? it down. Yeah. yeah. Happy yeah. wife, happy life. That's it. That's what they say. It's the golden rule. So so I see you jumping to something. I wanna I wanna jump real quick because I had this other bullet point. Yeah, yeah, because your bullet points the, oh my God. the art the article also mentioned like future rental income can't be factored into your DTI. And and for those who don't know, DTI is your debt to income ratio. It's uh how much you uh, having debts versus your income. So we we on a conventional mortgage for for investments and ever, and even primary residence, we can go up to fifty percent 
uh, DTI. So we can use half of your gross monthly income to qualify you counting the full mortgage payment that you're going to be making, plus all your other obligations for credit cards, car payments, student loans, and personal loans. That's that's what DTI is. The article said you can't use the future rental income to offset the new payment that you're going to have yeah. with this investment property. That's wrong. You can use up to 75% mm-hmm. of the rentable value of the property. So I'd use that uh, mm-hmm. app you sent me recently. I forget exactly what it was, but to look up rent values of properties ah, you know, yeah, yeah, for yeah. my for my buyers. And so like if your uh if your uh proposed rent value is like two grand, we can use 75% of that to offset whatever the new total mortgage payment is gonna be for that investment property, which is gonna massively help people lower the DTI. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to be able to carry that investment property's mortgage and all of those other debts, likely if you're buying a straight up investment property, you already have a mortgage too. Yeah. So you got to carry all of that in yeah. your DTI. You got to be making hundreds of thousands right. of dollars if you're trying to trying to do yeah. that. Yeah. It's important to have these little hacks, right? Yeah. You know, of these, because I feel a lot of people are reading the headlines or just these pointers, especially if they have, they, they trust a source like Investopedia. Mm-hmm. They're thinking, oh, I have to go ahead and follow this. There's no way I'm going to reach this goal by in the next few years. But they just have this conversation with a realtor, or more importantly, a loan officer, yeah. somebody in the mortgage game. They're going to be able to really find out how to get into the game a lot sooner, a lot quicker, and with less money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that like leaning on an expert is key here because this Investopedia article is like all wrong. It's so crazy. <laughs> right. We could, we Again, spend... it's like a great source. Investopedia. I used yeah, to study so in business school Investopedia yeah. articles all the time. It's yeah. like we could we could like spend a podcast just talking about this how wrong this and yeah. like digesting this and dissecting it and be like this is so wrong. So I think like leaning on lean on your expert. Um and because if you know if uh like you said if if somebody thought like oh this is not gonna count towards the DTI like you would have to make hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. to have investment properties. The other thing I just thought about it too because we were on this topic is um, you know, JP Morgan buying, you know, these new new construction um sites, like that's 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 a big deal overall, right? But like for the average person, like you're never like the average person is not gonna have 20, 30, 40 investment properties as like part of their right. portfolio. Well, on right? a conventional conventional limits, one individual person can have ten properties max. Yeah. So and then they have to do what commercial loans, right? After that? Uh from there you you can look into uh, doing like LLC loans oh, okay. where, yeah. where you would form an LLC and, and get title on all the properties in the name of the LLC. Yeah. And then you could. That's a whole other world. Those, right? are, yeah. those are more niche products. So I only know a few lenders that actually do lend on LLC loans yeah. as well. And the, the regulation and the rules are, are a little more stringent because they're the people that are buying it or issuing these loans are like specific banks. So mm-hmm. they, the banks will set the guidelines for those types of LLC loans. And you, you have to just follow those rules. Yeah. It's the biggest misconception too, that people think about all mortgages is like, Oh, well the lender set the rules. There are general rules for that. Every lender has to follow. Then there are overlays that each lender can kind of create like, for a VA loan, the, there are actually no credit score requirements for a VA loan or even a USDA loan. 
Really? There's there's no you can have five hundred credit. In well, there's no set by the VA or by USDA. Okay. Uh, there's no set credit limit. Got it. Lenders Got it. and and yeah. each place will set their own overlays right. for what they'll be willing the to lend. Tolerance. Like yeah. my company on on <laughs> VA will lend down to five eighty. Pedro was like, "Yo, this yeah. is, no, bro." Yeah, 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 and so, all my clients. But, no, this is the thing. Like some predatory people sit out there and they're like, "Hey." There's no minimum credit score for USDA or for yeah. VA. And people are like, where do I, how do I sign up? What do I do? And I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Go talk to them about what their overlays are. Cause the moment you call them, they're going to be like, yeah, I said that, but actually you need to have like at least a 560, 580. So all these people with like right. 500s or 480 who might have cash and want to buy, like they just got screwed on a divorce. I see it all the time. Divorce screws them on credit, like just different minor things that they didn't know about credit screwed them. So now they can't do anything about it, but they have cash to buy a house. Just nobody will extend it. Mm -hmm. They see that they're going to go running to that and then be crushed immediately. So, so, all right. So your guys is, what is your guys opinion on the market? Like, what do you tell your clients about the market, how they should think about it, feel about it, you know, approach it, et cetera. If you can comfortably afford a payment right now, it's not, it's not a bad idea to continue to try and find houses because we're watching competition get out of the market. A lot of people are doing the rates are awful. I'm waiting. I'm going to time the market and wait. We watched a lot of people try to time the market in 2020 to 2021. And 20 offers wasn't unreasonable for any house you, you went to go buy. Right now you're watching the offers drop down to five five offers that you're competing yeah. against. So it's it's more manageable now if you can afford the payment. And then like like we talked about earlier, it's rates are likely to go down. So you're likely going to be able to get in the property and then refinance later to a more affordable or more comfortable, even more comfortable payment and and go from there. It's just it, it's all about your comfort level. Yeah. Yeah, I stress that so much. It, it it's all about your comfort level, your financial abilities at the moment, what you have in the bank and what you see yourself in the next few years. Because if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to move to South Carolina or wherever in a year and a half from now and sell the house then, I'm like, well, you probably should not buy a house. You know, there's just way too much going on or way too much is up in the air as to what's going to happen in the market. But I tell all my clients right now, it's a great opportunity to buy a house if you can make the numbers work, Right. If you are a person who really values having contingencies in place and being able to um, negotiate repairs to be able to get your closing costs covered, to be able to not have to um, be stressed out about competing with up, uh, other buyers right now, it's a great time, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially in the winter months. Like, right, Nobody wants to move in December. Nobody wants to move around the holidays. Yeah. Right. People who are moving are people who have to move. Mm-hmm. So they are at the mercy of buyers who are participating in the market right now. Right. So I think it's a great time. But again, it just matters from person to person. And nobody's shopping right now either. Like people start taking I I had four clients in the past two weeks that are all like, I'm going to take a break till after the holidays. Like we've got Christmas shopping coming up. We got these expenses. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, this is the time to take advantage because everybody's doing exactly Mm -hmm. what you said. And so now you're going to be able to find the houses that people have to get out of and nobody's putting an offer in on. Because they're all just waiting till after and, the holidays. And let me add this. Since we had this small correction with interest rates, since they've come down a bit from the 7% mm-hmm. high, I'm seeing more competition into the market yep. at 6%. We just lost out. Me and my, uh, I had a client looking in Aldi, 
right, which is what 50 minutes away from the city. And we were going to, she wanted to put an offer in on a two bedroom, two bath condo, very nice building. But the condo itself needed paint, needed new floors. We lost out. Um, We were, I mean, we went in at that list price and asking for closing costs. But I guess someone else asked for less closing costs or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they lifted the high, the, the price up a bit higher to be able to get those closing costs covered. So competition is definitely coming up. Um, another example is Lake Barcroft. For those of you who Lake didn't Barcroft's know, fire, yeah. fire community, 20 minutes from the city and you have a lake. What? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Right. Cool That's a lot of people didn't even too. know. Yeah. People. Yeah. Very nice designs, big lots. Um, if you look at the recent sales right now. There's two properties, one that sold for 50 grand over asking price, another that sold for 150 grand over asking price just last three weeks, Mm -hmm. right? So even though there's opportunities, it's definitely market to market and even more so neighborhood to neighborhood. Yeah. Lake Barker is very unique. You know, I'm from Ando, so that's like... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But it's very, it's very unique. Um, Real quick, how are you guys like getting your buyers and sellers ready? What are you telling them? 2023, Buyers, how are you getting the buyers and sellers? How are you telling them to prepare for, for next year? I'm telling everybody to start getting your ducks in a row right now. Let's have this conversation. If you wanted to buy in July of next year, let's talk right now. Tell me what you're looking for. Tell me what's important to you. Because if something comes up between now and July and it just makes sense for you, why wouldn't you jump at that opportunity? Right. So I'm telling all my buyers to be ready because mm-hmm. if these mortgage rates which we are predicting they are going to fall some more. We're going to see another, you know, I would, I'm, I'm really thinking that we're going to see another situation where we see at least a competitive market where there's three to five offers on a house. Mm-hmm. Um, for sellers, I'm having them on a weekly uh, market check on their, uh, on their home value just so they can really see how things are moving. I had a client, a seller who wanted to sell last month, but it just didn't look like it was a great time to sell. Right. And then we saw their neighbors sell for like 40 grand under list under list price. But now we're seeing another neighbor that sold for uh, 20 grand more than the last neighbor did. Right. So things are definitely shifting really fast for sellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are people who I'm telling you need to be looking at the market like on a week to week basis. Yeah. So you can really see when it's the best time to execute. OK. What about you? I know you don't work with sellers, but for buyers. I mean, I, I tell buyers, regardless of the market, it's generally the same conversation. When you do a credit pull, it, we have 120 days to close with that same credit report. If we don't close in that time, you got to re repull credit. So depending on your time frame, talk to a lender when you're five months out to get a general idea of what you need to, to get rolling with and, and to prepare for. And then bare minimum, if you're three months away, like your goal is to buy right now, let's say March. Yeah. Start applying in January or cool. start applying now. Cool. Thanks for joining me, you guys. Um, I know we're running out of memory because Jake keeps looking at the camera. Um, where So, Pedro Paucar. That's right. Where, where do they find you? At Pedro, letter D, Paucar on both Instagram and uh, TikTok. You can add me on Facebook, but just keep it to Instagram and TikTok, please. <laughs> okay, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a lot more family-oriented on Facebook. Yeah. Like, I'm just Maybe they want to see your family, bro. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. If you like, if, yeah, sure. There you go. Mike. <laughs> um, I'm your mortgage guide on everything. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. TikTok's where most people know me from, so. Okay, cool. Um, I'm Nick Bush, the realtor. Everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. 
um, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you watch your podcast. Um, also follow the Real Estate Podcast. I mean, also follow the podcast at Real Estate Explained Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for joining me. We out.